This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Well, it's not just hiring the head coach that needs to be a decision. That head coach then has a number of decisions he's going to need to make. Who do you resign? Who do you let go? Who do you reach out to? What positions do you focus on in the draft? Oh, my God, I don't even know where to start. There's a quarterback decision you got to make by February 16th when $12.7 million of Geno's salary becomes fully guaranteed. So I've got some sound to go off of. ESPN's Field Yates was on with Wyman and Bob yesterday. He has some advice for the new head coach. Um, and uh, you know what? Why don't we start? Do you want to start with the sound or start with uh, kind of what your first decision Let's would be? Let's go with the sound. Okay, we're going to go with the sound. Okay, so Field Yates first uh, was asked about Geno Smith. What would your decision be when it comes to Geno? And I know Geno Smith is a hell of a football player. His accuracy, his ball placement is terrific. His deep ball accuracy is great. That helps when you have a player like DK Metcalf. He's tough. He's clearly, at least maybe you guys could, could, could counter this, but certainly looks like he is the leader of that team on offense. You know, feels like kind of the, Gino is kind of the guy that sets the tone for that offense and really maybe that team at large as well. So I think Gino is, is terrific. I think 33 years old too, like in, in, in quarterback parlance, that's, that's like kind of like middle, maybe like, maybe like the fifth inning out of a nine inning <laughs> career. And Gino might be the exception because of the fact that of course you know, he had basically a decade off. So I would be building around Gino going forward, especially on a very reasonable contract that has two more years left on it. So when we get to the draft, my mindset is let's get the best defensive player on the board. Now, whether or not you guys listening agree with field, that is unequivocally one of the earliest decisions uh, that John Schneider and the new head coach will need to make. What do you do with Gino Smith? What do you do? You bring him back. You bring him back. That's what I'm doing, at least. I'm bringing my guy back as a pro bowler last year, did enough this year to be competitive. And even if you decide to go the route of drafting a quarterback, I'm uh, am I getting old? Because I'm just like, man, sit him, let him develop. Sit, take your time. Look at Jordan Love. That's look right at way to go. Pat Mahomes. And you have a guy who's shown that he can play in this league. So um, that's an easy decision for me. Um, the harder decision is what do you do with the number 16 pick? Because you can keep Geno and still draft a guy at 16. I think the harder decision for the head coach will be that. Me, it's not that hard. You pick the best available defender at 16. Uh, I agree. I'm going to stay in this vein, and we're going to answer both questions. I'm going to co-sign. Uh, I think I'll co-sign both. I'm going to co-sign um, staying with Geno. Uh, and it is specifically because I want you to go defense in the mm-hmm. draft. Like your defense needs so much help. We were just looking back at those Legion of Boom numbers, which you are never going to touch because that's just unreal defense. No team has been able to do that. But it is an eye-opening look at how far you've fallen and how much of that is because you don't have the personnel that used to just be effortlessly, not effortlessly, used to be elite and mm-hmm. make your defense look effortlessly great. Um Talent wins out, right? We always hear that from national experts when they join us and we try to have them make predictions. They always go, talent wins out. Which team has the talented, the, the most talented and the healthiest players? Right. That team's probably going to win a Super Bowl more often than not. Seattle needs to get their defense back up to that category. Not just healthy, which you can't control, but really talented players. So I think you hang on to Geno. Uh, and I think you, yes, you go defense at 16. Would you trade back? Uh, would I trade back? Nah. No, I'm not trading back. If anything, I'm trading up. I'm trying to. Because why trade up? You trade up when you feel like you have core players or guys on this roster who can get her done. Here's the here's the the tough part about this situation. I'm looking at the free agents in 2024. Guys need to get signed. I'm looking at Leonard Williams needs to get signed. 
right? If you don't get a second round pick, if you don't trade up to get into the second round, you gotta you you have to resign this man. I think he's worth the money. Now it's about if he wants to be here. He's at a point of his career, he's 29 years old. He wants to win right now. Right. If he doesn't feel like he can win here right now, then he's more likely to leave as he should. You put it put in enough time in this league. You got options. Look at Jordan Brooks. Got to sign Jordan Brooks. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to sign Bobby. We'll see if you do. I wouldn't be mad if you do. Um, but you need to sign Jordan Brooks. And then if you sign Jordan Brooks, I think you're looking at that 16th pick and you're saying, I probably go a uh, linebacker there. Daryl Taylor is a tricky one. Because you and I both see the promise or the potential of a Daryl Taylor, but he just hasn't been able to put together three, four, five games in a row, let alone a couple years in a row. You got Bobby Wagner. What is he going to cost? $5.5 million this year. Is he going to be okay coming back uh, at that that price tag after being an all-pro, after being a pro bowler, after reestablishing himself? There's going to be teams around in this league that say, we can use a Bobby Wagner. Damian Lewis. What do you do with D. Lou? This dude has played center, guard, and tackle for this offensive line. Um, he's been the most consistent on this offensive line. I think he's a guy you got to bring back. Now you're out of that rookie contract. Mm-hmm. He's got to go test the uh, the waters when it comes to free agency and see what he's worth. Some team's going to offer him more than I think that you're going to be willing to give up. Let's go to just a few of those names. We'll start with Bobby Wagner. Here's what Field Yates had to say. You know, there are probably different metrics that you can size up and you can say, hey, you know, he's not this or not that compared to where he was in the past. And yet I just have a hard time ever thinking that the leadership, the intensity, the consistency, the model that he is for the younger players, to me, that is almost always worth having around. And he's a franchise legend. I I am a uh, thorough advocate for finding a way to keep him around for as long as possible. But I understand they've got some difficult decisions to make this upcoming offseason. And that's because, you know, they've had some really, really good draft picks that have turned into some really good contracts uh, on second deals around that roster. Field saying that the entirety of what Bobby Wagner brings to a team is too valuable to not try and re-sign him. Now, locally, Mm -hmm. we also felt that Bobby Wagner, who is a future Hall of Famer, best linebacker uh, that's ever played for the Seahawks, he's unreal. He's, He's so appreciated maybe is no longer someone you want out there on every single down and in every single situation. He played 98.4% of the snaps on defense. When Clint Hurd got the job, um, he said he's not going to play 100% of the snaps. Didn't lie to us, but 98.4% is a lot. If you bring a Bobby Wagner back, um, I would prefer he's around 75% of the snaps. One, just to keep him fresh. Right? Him making it through a full season at his age, it's been done before. But goodness gracious, if you want him to be on the field for big plays, you want him to be an influence constantly on the football field, I think you got to save them legs, man. Yeah. And now it's about Bobby. He, he's he's an OG. He is one of the greatest to ever do it. He's got to be okay with it, though. All right. Also, we've talked about this. It, it'll be our last uh, player convo, but Field Yates on what he do with Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, obviously, you know, things have not gone as planned in, in pretty much every way between the health, the performance, you know, some of the attitude stuff, some of the things that Pete had to, or Pete had to, I should say, address with social media content, things of that nature. So I, I would think that, you know, Jamal is one that basically this comes down to, is it palatable to release him? All things, you know, in, in normal circumstances, no, but there are certain times where you just kind of bite the bullet. I think this is a bite the bullet situation. You're taking on, oh God, I forget. I don't think it's 19 million in dead cap, but a good chunk of dead cap. You do overall save, though, from releasing him. And yeah. I'm sorry to anyone who's like, what about trading him? I don't know who's taking that contract. No one's taking that contract. No one's taking that contract. No, no one's taking it. 
Um, but if there's someone out there who wants to take that contract, I have an ocean in Idaho I want to sell you. Exactly. For a very good price. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, I think you, um, you cut your losses at this point. And I think maybe Jamal might feel the same way, too. He's been here for a few years. It hasn't worked out. It feels like the relationship isn't the same. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you both just need to move on. Now, here's a tough question because I am not super familiar with coordinators who are not part of the head coaching circuit. Um, Like maybe if the Seahawks face that team often, I know who it is. But in terms of who do you reach out to as your head coach, obviously you've got to start building your staff. So why don't we move this? If you know names, great. But otherwise we can move this in the direction of like, what kind of guys do you reach out for? Like, how do you even start? How do you start? Like, build, like you're a Seahawks head coach. You've been hired uh, on. Yeah, yeah. Who do you reach out to? Uh, first, all right, so if I'm McDonald, the first person I'm reaching out to is a offensive coordinator who's proven and who needs a job or who is – or actually, you know what? A quarterback coach who is proven and who needs a job because that's – pretty much how you climb the ladder when it comes to being a coordinator. You start as a quality control mm-hmm. guy. You start as an assistant of the assistant. Then you move into most likely offensive line or quarterback, and then you get elevated to offensive coordinator. So I'm looking across the league to someone who has a track record of working with quarterbacks and producing. And maybe maybe not even a, a track record of doing it, right? Maybe he's been in the game two or three years. I wish Canales was still available. Um you, you start there. You need your coordinators because what your coordinators will do is they have their scheme, how they like to do things, and then you're able to hire assistants that fits the mold of the things that they like to do. Yeah, I think uh, you've brought this up before, so it's not my opinion, but um, like looking for balance. So mm-hmm. if you are a 36, 38, 40-year-old first-time head coach being brought in, do you reach out to um, an older coach to bring him onto your staff, as someone who's been there? Do you, uh, you know, find some connections and go offer uh, an assistant head coach role to like a Steve Wilkes type kind of guy? Um, and then likewise, mm-hmm. if they bring in Dan Quinn, do you look for that young coordinator? Do you like keep your ear to the ground for people talking about some young, brilliant dude on staff? Uh, so that idea of balance was also really intriguing to me. Um You've uh, you've got to figure out which positions you focus on in the draft, which we talked about a little bit. Both of us deciding to go defense. Can you make the case for a quarterback? Yeah, I can make a case for a quarterback. Geno's thirty three. Yeah, um, he's got a couple years left on his contract. This is this um this approach to uh, developing a, a QB for a couple years has shown to have some success. Now you can also look at CJ Stroud and be like, all right, we'll throw him in there. CJ had himself a good year. But I think that the position the Hawks are in right now is advantageous because you have a proven quarterback and you're in a position to get a guy who can learn from Geno, who's been in the league 10 years, who's made a whole bunch of mistakes on the field and off the field, who has seemed to have found a peaceful place. When I hear Geno talk, he's never too high or too low. On the football field, it's a different story. My man plays with passion, and I love that. But it just seems like the maturation of Geno Smith has been fun to watch because I was one of the dudes who forgot about Geno. After the Jets, percent. I'm like, all right, well, that didn't work out. We'll nope. see what happens. Then every now and then, he gets a start here and there. Actually, when he uh, when he broke uh, Eli Manning's consecutive start record when I forgot who the head coach over there was for the Giants brought him in. I go, oh, snaps, Gino, you know? So um, the maturation of Gino has been fun, fun to watch. He's been around the block, and you don't necessarily need to throw your quarterback in the mix right now. Let him learn from Gino, draft a defensive guy, but 
I wouldn't be mad if they went quarterback. Also, a really popular opinion to take at quarterback or of whom to take at quarterback, obviously Michael Penix. Now we're local. Yeah. So a lot of the fans that are going to be on the Mac and Jack's text line are going to be Huskies or at least people who know of Michael Penix and really liked what he did this year. J.J. McCarthy has been a really popular name mock mm-hmm. to Seattle. Um, you're not going to get Caleb Williams. You're not going to get Drake May. You're no. not going to get some of those top picks. So I, I'm guessing it's going to be J.J., Michael Penix, or take a shot late. Someone earlier, we had Eric Edholm on, and I asked him about um, what what was Matt Miller's opinion, which is this draft class is kind of front-loaded at quarterback. So if you don't take one of those early guys, like there's a huge drop-off after Michael Penix, and you might as well not take one. And the listener said, well, I don't know. I mean, I think of Brock Purdy, and, you know, like why mm. not take a shot? You can absolutely yeah. find a diamond in the rough late, but sometimes those guys, in the case of Brock Purdy, are one in a million. Uh, um, real quick before we get out of here, mm-hmm. not get out of here, but move on. Um, you can't take a shot with a quarterback. That's the one position where early everyone's got to think that he's a, a top twenty pick, mm-hmm. right? You roll the dice on defensive players, on offensive linemen, but the quarterback position, if his numbers or his his track record of wins and losses and clutch performances in college ain't there, you better not because you will lose a franchise or a fan base that quickly. Um, and the chance of him balling out are low. There's a reason why um, there aren't too many Mr. Irrelevance balling in the league right now. Literally none. Yeah. There was a kicker for Tampa Bay, and I think Brock Purdy is the first Mr. Irrelevant to throw like a forward pass, maybe, <laughs> and or have like a pass completion. I mean, he is one of the most amazing stories I've seen in the in you know the last however many years. Truly, like he will mm-hmm. go down in history books as like assuming he goes to a Super Bowl, which would obviously be his first Super Bowl appearance. A Mr. Irrelevant starting quarterback in the Super Bowl, that's unreal. It's but it's also so rare. Like, I, the 49ers, 49ers fans will disagree with me and say, say I'm a hater. They lucked into this. Very cool, though. All right, let's get to Four Down Territory. This is Four Down Territory. Going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, we heard about it yesterday. What do you like about the Raheem Morris hire for the Atlanta Falcons? One, I hate it because I figured he was (laughs) going to be in the mix with the Seattle Seahawks. But man, you just look at this guy and his journey. It's been 13 years since he was a head coach. Um, I mentioned he was also a wide receivers coach. He's been on both sides, defensive backs and wide receivers. In 2016 through 19, he was in Atlanta, ironically. He coached up Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, and Calvin Ridley. This guy is coached up a future Hall of Famer in Julio Jones. And I heard Sanu on some ESPN program on the radio yesterday, and he said the reason why he thinks he went to the offensive side is one, game perspective, and two, show that he can connect with both sides of the football. There are a lot of times where an offensive coach just talks to the offensive guys, right? I don't have a relationship with the defense. I'm not going to go over there. Morris has shown that he can do both. Also, he played with, I think, possibly a Hall of Fame quarterback in Matt Ryan. We saw, see, didn't win a a Super Bowl, but his numbers are crazy. Um, And he's felt... The success of uh, winning a Super Bowl and the defeat of losing one. He was part of that team that lost to the New England Patriots. So you look at everything that he's been through, everything that he's done, offensive guy, defensive guy, defensive coordinator, coach quarterback, coach receivers, was a head coach, won a Super Bowl, lost a Super Bowl. I look at that situation over there and I go, man, it was a great hire. I just wish that uh, he would have held out a little longer and let the Seahawks put their bid in. But I love the hire over there in Atlanta. Um 
I think he has some of the most pressure on him when it comes to winning. We look at that division. It is wide open. We'll see what Tampa Bay looks like. But Morris, man, I've heard nothing but good things about him. He's great on paper. Um, he's a leader. He's younger, 47 years old. I think he's a great hire. Also yet another hire from the Washington then Redskins coaching staff in 2013. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel. Bobby Slowick would make it six. Crazy. Not from Adam Bobby Schmerner. <laughs> Second down. <laughs> needs to reemerge in the search for the Seahawks head coach. All right, so we've narrowed it down to two guys who we think they're going to be looking at, Dan Quinn and um, our guy Mike McDonald mm-hmm. over there with the Ravens. But there's a name that's just been slowly disappearing, and I think if you're looking at Dan Quinn, you got to look at this guy. You know what I'm talking about? No. Look at that Vrabel. Like, what, oh. what happened to him? Remember when he got... <laughs> what re- happened to Mike Vrabel? When, 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 uh, when they didn't cut him, they fired him over in uh, Tennessee. We're thinking, oh, Vrabel, yeah. what would he bring to this uh, every team? Every other text. Defensive guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, what happened to him? Like, Raheem Morris is gone, okay? Leave that alone. If we're going to focus on Dan Quinn, you cannot forget about Vrabel. I had to go back to my notes from weeks ago and look at what this guy has done and remind people. He's had two losing seasons with Tennessee in six years. All right. Um, he's made the playoffs a couple times. He's had a top scoring offense in 2019 and 2020. Top 10 rushing offense four times, 18, 19, 20, and 21. We all know who's the catalyst for that thing. He's had a top 10 rushing defense two times in 2021 and in 2022. Last year, they were 13th. We're talking about Dan Quinn and his experience and him knowing how to be a head coach, him being a leader. Throw Mike back into this conversation. All right, I think um, I think McDonald's should be the young guy you're looking at by yourself. All right, defensive guy, innovative, coaching a three-four over there with the Ravens. It all makes sense. But since Belichick is not an option, I don't think he's an option over here. Jim Harbaugh is gone. I think Raheem was like our third favorite. Mike Vrabel, get him back into the conversation. You know what Vrabel isn't? What? That new new. Ain't that new new. See, that's the thing. Mike McDonald, the second, it's like the analogy I used with your kids. Mm -hmm. I don't have kids. I can't use the analogy of like, (laughs) okay, do you want cookies? No. And then the other one does. And all of a sudden the first kid is like, wait, I do. What's that? What's that guy getting? That's, that's, That's Mike McDonald with all of us. It was no one wanted Dan Quinn. Uh, well, everyone was fine with Dan Quinn, but then Dan Quinn had that uh, horrible performance from his defense in the playoffs. Then everyone was like, what about Mike Vrabel? What about Mike Vrabel? And then all of a sudden we're in love with Mike McDonald. And it's like, Vrabel who? Yeah. And I, I, and two, five, three. Why would we want someone who got fired? Guys get fired all everyone the time in the league. Everyone gets fired. Everyone gets fired. Bill Shanahan's Belichick's been, been fired. fired. Shanahan in the, in the NFC Championship, again, third year in a row. Everyone gets fired at Everyone's some point. Everyone's been fired. Because it wasn't a good fit over there anymore. Doesn't mean it won't be a good fit here. I'm not saying you go in and get that guy, but I'm saying if you're looking at Dan Quinn, who's been yeah. fired as well, yes. all right, you got to look at Mike Vrabel as well. There's a lot. Of, I mean, Pete Carroll in his first stint, uh, Bill Belichick in an early stint. Uh, <laughs> Everyone um, gets fired. Pete, you said Pete Carroll already? Pete, Pete Carroll, Carroll been fired. He's been with fired. the Patriots. Yeah. Bill Belichick's been fired with the Browns. Goodness gracious. It just happens. It, like, it's a circle of people life. People were talking about whether Mike Tomlin would get fired. It's just the the some of the people making the hiring and firing decisions are not football people. And they're also incredibly impatient and they're focused on winning and patience runs out. Mm-hmm. Third down. What advantage do the remaining quarterbacks have over their ops in the conference title matchups this weekend? The ops. The ops. I'm telling you. All right, so we got Lamar versus Pat Mahomes. 
Lamar's more mobile, obviously. 821 yards on the ground. He led the team in rushing. Pat Mahomes, he's responsible. He has 29 throwaways. But you know what? The boys over there also got 39 drops. I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs receivers to the Baltimore Ravens, 22 drops. Lamar's done a great job avoiding pressure in the pocket. He's only been hit 29 times in the pocket. You look at Pat Mahomes, 65 times. Where it levels out, both of these guys have good offensive coordinators, right? We're loving what Monk is doing over there, and we love what Andy Reid has been doing for his whole life in the NFL. Lamar has 27 big plays in the past game. He has four big plays rushing. Pat Mahomes has 52 big plays in the past game, two when it comes to rushing. So those are some uh, some advantages, some similarities or whatnot. When it all comes down to it, I think the better team is going to win. I think Pat Mahomes is the better quarterback, obviously. He's been there. He's done that. He has a track record of success. But I look at Baltimore and Lamar and his advantages when it comes to being mobile, when it comes to being good in the pocket, when it comes to running the football, when it comes to leading his team. This just might be his moment. So he might not have too many advantages over Pat Mahomes, but he has enough. Now let's go to Golf and Purdy. You look at Jared Goff, 5-3 and three in the playoffs, one Super Bowl appearance. He's got some experience. Purdy's 3-1 in the playoffs, one NFC Championship appearance. If you call it that, he got hurt, didn't finish the game. Golf has more air yards than our guy Purdy. 2,428, not too far behind. You got Purdy with 2,226. You know how many drops the 49ers have as a receiving core? How many? Yeah. I know the Chiefs led the league. I'm going to yeah. say the 49ers have like single digits. Nine. Oh Nine God. drops. I hate how talented they are. They I hate it. They do not drop the football. You look at golf in the game. They got 35 of them things. And then I think it comes down to the coordinators again. You got Shanahan. He's been a coordinator in this league since 2008. Eight through 23, he's been calling plays to, at some capacity. You look at Ben Johnson. That's that new new. I only his second year as a coordinator over there. Now, you look at Jared Goff. He's been blitzed like crazy 212 times. Purdy, 142 times. Goff is good with pressure. So is, so. that's say Brady? Sorry, Brock Purdy. So is uh, Brock Purdy. They're both good with pressure. I think it comes down to guys making plays with the football in their hands and being where they're supposed to be. You heard Brock Purdy also say, look, man, we had a discussion with Ray Ray McLeod and that, that one interception, I guess. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He took ownership of that. We're watching this young man mature, but I'm leaning with our guy Turbo towards the Lions. I think the Niners are going to win. I want the Lions to win. Um, I think they're more experienced at the quarterback position. But again, you're only as good as your cast. We'll see who shows up. There's some advantages and disadvantages of the ops. Uh, before I get to fourth down, people were sending in more uh, well-known, famous, successful head coaches who were fired. Andy Reid being mm-hmm. another one. I'll also say about Dan Quinn, uh, the Falcons, have they been to a Super Bowl since he was there? Nope. 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 (laughs) Like, has a team succeeded without that guy is another important question. Fourth down. Let's talk free agents. Who's a free agent you would love to sign, but you know you have absolutely no chance of getting? Absolutely no chance because he says he's retiring. You know what I'm talking about? Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. How amazing would that be, Jason Kelsey, as your center for the Seahawks? I will take a 52-year-old Jason Kelsey here under center. Give me two years. That's the position where the Hawks – now, the offensive line has been a shuffle regardless. But at that center spot, you haven't had a guy center where you just felt at ease. I think Britt gave himself – gave this team a few years back in the day. Now he's with the Cleveland Browns having himself a good year. Um, I would love to have a Kelsey, man. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've looked at that center position and been like, the 
Seahawks are good. I've looked at the guard positions and said, okay, they're good enough. Damian Lewis and say Gabe Jackson. I've looked at the, uh, the tackle spot and say, okay, they're good enough. Let's develop, especially with these young guys. I don't remember looking at that center spot and just feeling completely secure about the situation, mm-hmm. man. Um, if I'm the Seahawks, it's a dream, dream of mine. Go ahead and uh, text Kelsey, see if he's up. Throw some dollars at him, see what he does. Um, an answer to a question I'm going to throw on, because I think it's a good one. Earlier in your first three downs, you were talking about different head coaching candidates and you know guys you would like to have and possible coordinators. Uh, John and Everett from the 206 says, is it possible to hire Mike McDonald as head coach and Ajaro Evero as defensive coordinator, assuming Canales wants to bring in his own staff? Now, if Canales' as head coach moves on from Evero, yes. Although, uh, not only with Ajaro, I think with a couple other guys, teams can block lateral moves so they can block you from mm-hmm. interviewing for dc jobs which i think is what they've done there with evero um they can block you from interviewing likewise for oc jobs in the only way but they can't block you for getting a promotion so for a lot of these coordinators i understand the thing of like oh, what about ben johnson as oc and mike mcdonald as head coach or mike mcdonald as dc some of these teams block any lateral moves for their guys that they really like um and so that is what will probably keep the Seahawks from being able to do that. Two big games this weekend in the NFL. It's the conference championship games. We're making our pick next. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Two big games this Sunday. We're going to preview them and make our picks right now. Let's uh, let's go in chronological order. We're going to start with noon kickoff, the opener. It's the AFC Championship. Number three, Kansas City Chiefs travel to the Baltimore Ravens, number one seed in the AFC. Ravens, a little more than a field goal favorite here um, with the FBI, FPI prediction, football power index. Uh, Baltimore wins 63.6% of the time, but obviously... Uh, it's a little more complicated than that. So, Bump, let's break it down and take a look. First, who do you like in this one? Yeah, one, I like that it's at, um, it's at 12 p.m. I know it's because they're back east or whatever, but it makes it it makes us highlight the Detroit-San Francisco game out here on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So, um, I like that they're playing first. You're looking at the quarterbacks to start. Right? When it's all said and done, Lamar Jackson is probably going to get the MVP this year. If he gets the MVP and loses this game, you're going to say, man, another great season, but he fell short. Didn't even, uh, I guess he sniffed the Super Bowl, but didn't get to where he was supposed to get while being the number one seed in the AFC. Once again, uh, a a formidable opponent has not been able to take down Pat Mahomes, right? The only one to do it was Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah. Josh Allen hasn't been able to do it. Lamar hasn't been able to do it. I believe this is his first opportunity to do it in this situation. So it starts with the quarterbacks and then it trickles down to the supporting cast. And I think that's why you and I think Baltimore gets this thing done because you have Zay Flowers, because you have Odell Beckham, because Mark Andrews is going to be healthy. Isaiah likely has been doing his thing. Gus Edwards is a hundred percent Daniel when he's inside the five to score a touchdown. And then you have Lamar who led his team in passing and rushing. I didn't even talk about the defense yet. You think yeah. about that defense, goodness gracious, you got Queen, uh, you got David Clowney, you wow, got Humphreys, you got Hamilton. I mean, this team is star-studded, and they're at home, and this is the biggest moment of Lamar Jackson's career. He's already won the Heisman. Yeah. He's already been an MVP. What is he missing? A big win over Pat Mahomes and a chance to win a Super Bowl. I got to ride with the Ravens here, but I don't count out the Kansas City Chiefs because you have the best player to arguably ever do this in Pat Mahomes. I have a fun stat that I thought you would like uh, before I get to it. You're absolutely right. This is like secretly a defensive game. I think it, it – 
um, I don't know if it'll be the highest scoring uh, game of the two. The San Francisco 49ers uh, and Ravens are among those who averaged a lot of points or the most points this year. I think they were both top three in scoring. But along with Dallas, uh, Detroit was up there. Kansas City was not. They scored the fewest points uh, since 2014 or so. On the flip side, you're right. The two quarterbacks are getting all the spotlight, but these are the top two scoring defenses in the NFL this season. The Ravens defense overwhelmed the 49ers. Very explosive offense. Uh, It's the best defense Mahomes has ever played with. Um, Let's talk about the Lamar factor, though, and what he can do with his legs. I thought you would like this from ESPN. Steve Spagnuolo, who's the Chiefs defensive coordinator, uh, since 2019, when he took over as D coordinator, no team has allowed more rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks in the regular season. Than, than the this Chiefs, Chiefs defense awesome. under Steve Spagnuolo. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. <laughs> just... Go ahead and do your thing, Lamar. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, okay, so both of us taking the Baltimore Ravens in this one. Um, it feels weird to pick against Patrick Mahomes. I just, here's the thing. If Patrick Mahomes does it, it only adds to his lore. There's no losing. I think the vast majority mm-hmm. of NFL fans look at this and the, all pressure is on Lamar. You're right. Like, if Lamar doesn't make it, now we're talking about your legacy and whether you can right. get there. If Patrick doesn't make it, it becomes, well, Chiefs had more drops than any other pass catchers. He has a bad supporting cast. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. if he goes, it just adds to the lore. If Pat Mahomes doesn't win another Super Bowl in his career, he will still go down as one of the greatest to do it. He's done everything. League MVP, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. There's nothing left left for him to do that's it so uh, i'm not saying this is going to be it for pat mahomes i i'm going to say he wins one or two more super bowls but Mm -hmm. um there's more on the line for our guy lamar all right both of us taking the baltimore ravens we are jumping to the 3 p.m kickoff it's the nfc championship where the number three detroit lions looking for their first ever super bowl appearance not win super bowl appearance are traveling to santa clara to take on the number one seeded san francisco 49ers san francisco heavy favorites this is um a, a more um outweighed matchup than is our first one which is by no means a toss-up but san francisco fbi prediction is 74.1 percent uh they're a touchdown favorite in this one the 49ers are making their fourth nfc conference championship appearance since 2019 but check this out bump in the last five games they've allowed over 100 rushing yards four times and why that matters is that of their five losses they've had this season they've allowed 100 rushing yards in four of those Mm -hmm. there's a common theme here yeah, there is. Um, the theme is they can get got. Any team can in the NFL. That's why no one's gone undefeated since the Dolphins back, what, 72? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason for that because it's hard It's hard to win every single game in this league. And now you get to the point where the week are gone. You got four teams left, all right? These are the four best teams in the NFL, and they all can do something to exploit you. And, again, I always start at the quarterback position, and I think this is more it's even. I think if you flip these guys, I forgot who we were speaking to, but I asked him, I go, look, you put Purdy on the Lions, golf on the Niners, what do you think? He goes, ah, I don't really like playing that game, but um, it could be even. And I look at those guys, I go, yeah, it could be. Only thing different between these guys is golf is the number one pick and, um, and Purdy was the last pick. But you look at their production and what they bring to a football team, it's almost the same. So what's going to be the deciding factor? We talked about the supporting cast the other day. 
And I put Brock Purdy in the supporting Cavs role and not the lead role. The lead role has to be Chris McCaffrey mm-hmm. and uh, Brandon Ayuk. And and the messed up part about those two being the lead is that people are going to say, "What about George Kittle? Yeah, baller. What about Debo Samuel? Baller. We'll see if he is um, if he's Play. healthy or not. What about Trent? Trent Baller. Um, this was harder for me to pick than I guess whoever you read, ESPN, FBI, or uh, oh, the ESPNs. It's their football power index yeah. or whatever. Football Power Index, FPI. Um, so, yeah, this one's harder because I feel like Brock Purdy's never been in this situation before. He went to the championship game last year, but within, what, a quarter, elbows all jacked up, he's out. Now we're playing with uh, Ricky Bobby from the stands as the quarterback, right? I look at Jared Goff and I go, you've been here before. You've won this game before. You've given your team an opportunity to get it done. And I feel like... Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson have more confidence in Jared Goff than Kyle Shanahan does in Brock Purdy in the sense that when the game's on the line, I'm going to call plays that allows Jared to push down the field. When the game's on the line, I'm going to call plays that Brock Purdy just isn't going to mess up. That doesn't make Brock Purdy a lesser player. That just shows you kind of the confidence. This is Brock Purdy's second year in the, in, in the game, second year in the league. Golf has been around the block, man. So um, my heart says Lions. My head says Niners. I feel exactly the same way. I'm going to be rooting heavy for the Lions, as is like 98% of America. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think this is San Francisco's year. Uh, I think it's Baltimore's year to win it all. But I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to be representing the NFC in the Super Bowl, unfortunately. I thought this was interesting. So here's my second stat, uh, also from ESPN. It's from ESPN's Anthony Garib. Detroit has just three playoff wins dating back to 1967. Meanwhile, 37 players on the 49ers' current active roster have three playoff wins individually, meaning 67% of players on the 49ers have as many playoff wins as the Lions franchise during the Super Bowl era. That's crazy. The Lions, man. They Come need on, it. Lions. They're down bad. They're down bad, and they need this badly. I'm I'm going to be rooting for them. You're listening to Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Those are our picks for the championship games this weekend. Uh, feel free to tell us yours, and also please be sure to text in your questions for what I need to know, 866-979-3776, 866-979-3776. You're listening to Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross. It's what I need to know. Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, Electric. And it's the questions just really uh, on on front of mind for you. Tip your tongue. So go ahead and send them in, 866-979-3776. What I need to know. Matt, you're going to have to help me answer this one. Off air, who has the biggest potty mouth? Oh, it's me. You think it's you? I think it might be me. I don't think I've ever heard you curse. I think it's Bump. Really? I don't think I've ever heard you curse. No, really. I think it's between Bump or. You know what this tells me, Matt? We need to hang out more, man. What's going on? I think we see each other enough. (laughs) Dang. Wow. You're going to embarrass me in front of my friends? Oh, my God. Dang. Never mind, Matt. I didn't want to hang out anyway. My final answer is going to be Bump or Wyman. Yeah, that's fair. There was a moment um, last week where Curtis hid in the studio to scare me, Mm -hmm. and I swore loud enough that someone had to come into the soundproof booth to make sure I was still okay. (laughs) So that should tell you something. (laughs) What I need to know, is Kyle Shanahan on the hot seat if he loses this week? Nope. You don't think a little bit? Nah, man. Shanahan's don't grow on trees. 
I mean, goodness gracious. You see. I think it's wishful thinking on the part of a Seahawks fan who's like, yeah. hey, any chance he's nah, fired? If <laughs> Shanahan's good, man. Now, there's there's some pressure, but nah, he's good. His seat is uh, nice and cool. What I need to know, why isn't Eric Bieniemy's name coming up with the coaching vacancies? Why isn't he? I've mentioned it a couple times, but um, he ain't been out there. Like, yeah. at, at what point do we think that there's a, a character flaw or something now. going on? Because it's like, all right, you have a coordinator who helped the Chiefs get to where they are. He's he's in-house, yet his name hasn't been brought up. I don't think he's been interviewed. Like, what's going on with Eric Bieniemy? He it's deserves a shot. Look at his his, uh, his resume and his track record. It's like, all right, cool, but like, is there something with the personality that ain't clicking? I do wonder because, to me, he's just such a slam dunk on paper. It's a league that's just feverish for offensive hires and offensive coordinators. Like, you turn him into, like, replace him with Ben Johnson, and people are like, oh, my God, that's crazy, mm-hmm. like, that same resume. So it makes me wonder. Like, there was a time when when I think people were fairly like, is it because he's a black offensive right. coordinator? You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that's a fair question for people to ask. But now I wonder if it's something where, like, what's going on behind the scenes? And what's weird is... I would wondered for a while, like, is he a really old school head coach who will like yell back at players well, and do is. whatever? I know that for sure. We yes. tell people talk about that. But also, that. you're telling me no head coaches are like that? Maybe not on the offensive side not as much. Not as know. much as it used to be, that's for sure. Uh, they don't call him dump button bump for nothing. There you go. <laughs> Uh, let's see what I need to know growing up, which TV character and or music celebrity had the biggest influence on your style. Oh, you know what? Nelly had a hold on me. In middle I was going to say Nelly. Nelly had a hold <laughs> on me. Oh, you with the big jerseys and headbands. You know, I had a tall and... tee. I was in champs every day, all day. Yeah. Nelly, Nelly had a hold on me, man. His style was my style. Yeah. I can't think of anyone. Um, Blossom. Who's Blossom. You don't know the show Blossom? I don't know that man. It's a woman. <laughs> what? Uh, Matt, no. you know the show Blossom? Blossom? Yes. Goodness gracious. Blossom. Taylor, you know Blossom? You got y'all better take her card. Well, she's not the <laughs> vampire take hunter, her right? Card. No, I have it reluctantly. <laughs> no, it's uh no, not Blossom. That's too early nineties for me. When did nineteen ninety? Topanga. No, that's also Topanga was everyone's crush. Blossom too, came man. out in nineteen ninety. What was out for a few years? Oh. It like it stopped in 1990. To 95, I was too young for Blossom. What do you mean? You were like, I'm not going to put it out there, but you're old enough. I was born in 89. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't think of one, though. Definitely 90s, for sure. A thousand percent, but mm-hmm. like later. 90210. Slight, slightly later 90s. Saved by the Bell. Kelly uh, Kapowski. Now I'm going early 2000s. I'll get back to this. I really got to think on it. I really got to think on it. Um, which Seattle pro team wins the next championship? The Seahawks. Seahawks. Actually, no, you want to be real? The Sounders or the Rain. Yeah. Yep. Or sorry, not the Rain. Storm. Storm. Yeah. Uh, what <laughs> What I need to know. What's worse? It's something we've both done. Not knowing a player you're asking about has been suspended or asking a player about a sibling <laughs> they don't have. The sibling for show. Oh, the OC. Yes. The OC. The OC for sure. Okay. Okay. Yep. 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 That is, that is, think the Hills, think the OC, think like that kind of 2003 vibe for sure. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Laguna Beach. Yeah. They got me. Mm. They got me in a chokehold. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite 90s movie. Speaking of the 90s. Favorite is Little Giants in the 90s. Sandlot. 
Yeah, it got to be 90s. My childhood. 90s, 90s. Yeah. Oh, I know what you did last summer. That's a good one. That's Not my favorite, one. but it's just a good one. Freddie Prince. Uh, let's see. You got Waterboy. That's the 90s? No, 1998. Wow. I know. I haven't seen it, though, but I've heard a lot of things about it. You haven't seen Waterboy? Jake was always deeply offended. I haven't seen a lot of the Adam Sandler, the golf one, the so, school one. So when I say, that's what it's going to be, you can't really connect with that. No, you guys explained it to me, so now I know oh, it. Oh, it's not the same. It's the girl from The Craft that's in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. You got Any Given Sunday. Solid, really solid. I used to watch solid. that way too young. Um, was Sixth Sense a 90s or is yeah. that like 2000? No, nah, it's 90s. 2000? 99, I think. Barely. I loved that movie. That was really yeah. good. Right when you find out at the end, he's been dead the whole time. Oh, oh my God, spoilers, bump. What the heck? Spoilers. I was just oh about to watch God. it tonight. Bump. God, have a little tax. The, the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what I need to know, if Brock Purdy gets hurt, do the 49ers have a better shot of winning with A, Ricky Bobby, or B, Uncle Rico? Uncle Rico. Throw a ball clear across those mountains. See, uh, you ain't seen that neither. Napoleon Dynamite, you haven't seen that. Oh, this is a good... Yes, I have. All right, yeah, man. that was when I was in... Okay. I was like a freshman. I like this question from the 206. Are any of you old enough to see a cultural trend come around for the second time? Yeah, yes. I'm seeing baggy jeans come back. Yes. Baggy jeans, they um, are here early 2000 stuff like Gen Z mm -hmm. with like uh, the little black chokers or like any kind of chokers uh, like low jeans um, Y2K fashion yeah it, it's funny how they call us old yet they jock in our style though that's what I'm saying mm. and Gen Z's obsessed with authenticity and yet you're just kind of re-racking stuff right. that it's already been done and we re-racked it before you and our parents and <laughs> aunts and uncles more like we're like what is this guy doing you idiots uh, Napoleon Dynamite is not 90s. We didn't say it was. No, that was a separate question about Uncle yeah, Rico. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What I need to know. Oh, someone said Matrix. That There's no way that's 90s. First Matrix. one's 99. Wow. What? Crazy, right? The graphics. What? Graphics. Oh, someone top. said studded belts, <laughs> long sleeve under a t-shirt. Do you guys remember? Oh, I miss those days. Do you remember? This was on the red carpet. When the ladies were wearing jeans under dresses. Yes, I do remember that. That was a time mm -hmm. to be alive, right? my friend. It was just a weird thing. Oh, you know what I miss? I miss the 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 jersey skirts girls used to wear. Basketball they look jerseys cool. that we were should bring those back. Maya. Yeah. Are you Maya? Oh, I miss Maya. Mm -hmm. She's still around. She had a she looks great. She too. was before her time, I think. Yeah. She had a beautiful voice. It was very chill. Uh, I feel like she should have come out during like what became of Janae Aiko's career. Like I feel mm -hmm. like Maya could have had that vibe. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It was like slightly too early when there were too too many R&B voices to compete with that were bigger stars. Here I am just standing <laughs> Maya. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, God. Now people are just sending in fashion things. Um, what I need to know. Describe Michael Jordan's basketball career in one word. Legendary. Yeah. Duh, I can't think of another one. Come on now. The greatest. Uh, overrated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just kidding. She ain't here on Monday. She's going out with a bang. <laughs> overrated. All right, you guys. That will do it for us today. For Michael Bumpus, Matt Nelson, I'm Stacey Ross. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming up next.